Well, it seems like every, uh, every year that I get older, the less and less likely it is for this thing up here to work as fast as I would like it to. Does anyone else appreciate or relate to that statement? Yes. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying in church. Um, the Lord doesn't like that. So, now, uh, welcome to South Union. My name is Jerry, and it's very much true. Uh, the older I get, the less this thing works as fast as I wanted to. And the problem is, this thing works just as fast as if it was firing on all cylinders. And because I have such a great group of friends, whenever I do misspeak, I get savagely roasted and made fun of uh, for the things that I said incorrectly. Uh, the other, man, it's been, it's been a while now, I'm a big, big fan of wasting five, five minutes to six hours uh, on YouTube, uh, if I'm not careful, watching random videos, and uh, today as we start uh, a couple week series called Words Matter, uh, I wanted to show you one of my, one of my favorite videos that I think illustrates just just how challenging and difficult words can be sometimes. And, uh, well, why don't you go ahead and take a look. That is baked in a buttery flaky crust. Baked on a buttery crust. It's close. Buttery Baked on a buttery flaky crust. Baked on a buttery flavored crust. Uh, yeah. Baked in a buttery, flaky crust. Baked in a buttery, flaky, flaky crust. Here we go. Baked in a buttery, crispy crust. Flaky, ah, flaky, again. <laughs> okay, you're gonna have that coupon up there. Baked in a buttery, okay. Baked in a buttery, uh, crispy crust. Yeah, flaky. I thought it said flaky. Okay. Oh, oh. Baked in the buttery, flaky crust. You should have had me do that. Oh, yeah, she loved that. Baked in the buttery, flaky. Baked in the buttery, crispy crust. Crispy. Flaky. Flaky. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Flaky. Flaky. Did I screw up again? Yes, you did. Again? Big smile. Baked in a buttery flavor. Flaky. Flaky. Baked in a baked. Baked in a buttery crispy flake. Baked in a buttery flaky crust. For those of you that are married in the room, the back and forth between those two during that is just absolutely priceless. The, uh, why don't you go out there while I try and get this done. Uh, something so simple as baked in a buttery, flaky crust can be so complicated and poor guy just struggled and struggled and then the wife said, no, I'll do it since you can't do it and then she drops the ball as well. Uh, just, just incredible, a fascinating look at what happens when, well, words can be difficult sometimes, right? Um, and, and depending on the situation that you're in, or where you're at in your life, sometimes, well, sometimes the words that you need to use, or the, the words that, 
that need to be spoken, sometimes those can be even more difficult in what you need to say, what you need to, to talk about. And because we as people use words pretty, pretty loosely at times, uh, we love Mexican food and we love our spouse and we love that book and there's nothing on television and they say that all the time. We use words so flippantly all the time and in such a high quantity, I think that sometimes maybe they lose a little bit of their meaning and value because they're so often uh, said. Here's where we want to, to land for these next couple weeks as we look in some specific situations where we talk about words and words that they matter. And it's this. It's that whether it's spoken, whether it's texted, or whether it's posted, our words play a crucial role in our lives and in our faith. Let me say it again, whether, whether you're speaking it, whether you text message to someone, or whether you post it on social media, our words, the things we say and communicate, they play a crucial role in our lives and our faith in an attempt to follow Jesus and, and live our life in a way that, that honors him. So if you have your Bibles, I want to take just a, a peek into Scripture about what it says about our words and, and what we need to be thinking about as we consider them. So James chapter 3 is where we're going to be at for, for a good portion of the morning. We'll hop around a little bit, but this is where we're going to start at. James chapter 3 is in the New Testament. Um, this is, this is James writing here, and he's talking about uh, this level of complication and level of complexity and even a little bit of seriousness that comes along with the words that we say, the things that we say when we're talking. So James chapter 3, starting in verse 2, it says this, and if you're reading along, you're welcome to follow along with me. It says this, starting in verse 2, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now, if we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships. Though they are very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And so too, though a tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. Smokey the Bear would agree with that one. Verse 6, And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish, is tamed and has been tamed by humankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Whoa. We went from talking about the person who can control what they say and the tongue and the words that they use is able to control their whole body. But because, if we're being honest, heaven forbid we be honest and truthful in church, right? The reason that James has to continue on and talk about what happens with the tongue for four or five more verses is because for most of us, it becomes a challenge for us to recognize that words matter. 
for us to rein in and control the things that we say. And there seems to be this idea, not only in what James is talking about here, but kind of all throughout, sprinkled throughout the rest of this book, and, and even a few books, uh, a few chapters past this, there seems to be this idea that the small and seemingly insignificant things, like the things we say, well, they're, they're actually incredibly important. The, the things that wouldn't seem like they matter much, like just a few flippant words that you just release out of your mouth without realizing what was happening, actually seem to matter a lot. That a huge ship can be controlled by something small. It's not the driving force behind it, but rather it controls it and tells it where it needs to go. That a small little spark, a little flame, can set an entire forest on fire. That the something that seems so small and so insignificant can be something really, really crucial in our lives. Now, let me just pause here and say, I would think most of us in this room, and if you're watching online with us this morning, I mean, most of you know what this is like when we talk about words. How many of you, in the midst of a day, someone says something very small, and then all of a sudden, you're turned upside down on it? Or how many times in a relationship with your spouse or with a close friend or if you're a parent and you have kids, something so small was said by you or by someone and what was a calm, seemingly collected moment turned into chaos. There's much truth in that something so small can be so significant and can have so much meaning for someone. And here's, here's what I want for, just for all of us to kind of operate on the same page here. Here's what I mean when I say words. Because I think it's important with the, the digital age that we live in, it's important for us to recognize. When I say words, I mean anything that can be typed, talked, or texted. Anything that can be typed out on the computer keyboard for you to post, an email, on Facebook... If, if you can speak it, if it can be talked about, or if you can get on your phone and you can use your thumbs and you can text it to someone, this is what I mean when I say words. And, and I realize, as I, was, as I was studying, as I was praying about, as I was preparing for this, when I was talking about words, I was in my mind, I was only considering the things that I spoke when I was thinking about words. We just don't live in that kind of society anymore. For better or for worse, technology has created to where the things that I say, my words that can be typed out or can be texted to someone, can reach from here, and 30 seconds later can be in someone's inbox over in England. I can text something to someone, I can respond to someone in a comment, in a chat group, on Reddit, wherever it is, I can type, and then literally seconds later, thousands of eyes can be on what I have said, even though I actually didn't say anything. And so this goes just beyond our conversation and the words that we physically say, but rather what we type and what we text message to other people as well. Because we live in a time in history that our words are now more pointed, more available, more weighted. 
And if we're being honest, sometimes more like a detonator than they ever have been before. There used to be a time whenever we could we could have different ideas about things and still be allowed to be civil and have conversation. And it seems like those times are getting less and less and less. And can I just say, I think it's because maybe, just maybe, we haven't been careful about the words that we use when we're having conversations. We haven't been mindful and haven't understood that our words matter whenever we're talking to people. Our words matter because they are full of unknown potential, both in a good way and potentially a bad way as well. There was a, there was, it was a few months ago, um, we were staying with a friend before we purchased our house. And this has happened in other apartments. In the middle of the night, it was about, I think, 3.30 in the morning, lying in bed, and I hear, in a minute I'm like, oh boy, what's going on? And then about 12 seconds later I hear, Meep. that's not an alarm, is it? What is it? Meep. How many know what I'm talking about? Carbon monoxide detector is going off somewhere in the house. So me with no contacts in, Okay, so I got my phone, and I'm like turning lights on in the house at 3.30 in the morning. I find one, and I'm like, no, that's not it. So I have to walk over down this hallway. Where is this thing at? How many of you have ever had this happen before? Raise your hand if you've had to be the one to walk around your house. For some reason, I didn't know this, but there are 17,000 carbon monoxide sensors in my house. At least that's what it felt like that night, that at 3.30 in the morning. I finally walked underneath one, and the light went, and that was the one, right? I was like, thank you, Jesus. Okay, so then I get this up, right on, I turn the thing, and I put the button, and now I'm trying to read how do I reset this thing, like hold for five seconds, and then it blares loud in my face, right? Just when you reset it, and then you hang it back up. It's this guy, there's, it's 2022, there's got to be a better way to reset these things, but anyway, that's a whole other time for a whole other set of people. Uh, here's what I think is most fascinating. If you allow me just for a, a little bit uh, of a comparison here. One of the reasons I think that words matter is because I think that without realizing it, our words and the things that we say are much like one of those carbon monoxide sensors and detectors that when something potentially could go bad, it warns you and it gives you this little flash of things that you really don't know are present or potentially could be dangerous. If you'd allow me to, let me just read for you Matthew chapter 15, just, just one, one little phrase that Jesus says when he's talking about, when he's trying to get the Pharisees to understand there's something different going on. When they're talking about what defiles a person, what makes them unclean. And Jesus says this in verse 18. Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, he says this. What comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this defiles a person. This is, not, this is not thus said Jeremy. This is thus said Jesus, right? What comes out of the mouth comes out of the heart. And this is what defiles a person. 
Jesus is saying, and he's telling these people, that the words that come out of your mouth are directly linked to the condition of your heart. And this, this is a really big deal because the words that you speak, now listen, this, what I'm getting ready to say you may not be on board with, and that's okay, we can agree to disagree, but I fully believe this. The words you speak in your daily life are a true indicator of who you are as a person and where you are as a follower of Jesus. The words that come out of your mouth because they're connected to your heart and who you are, the deep part of you that no one else gets to see, that you rarely show anyone, the words that you say are the indicator of where your heart is at and where you're at as a follower of Jesus. If, if your words are, a majority of the time, if your words on a regular basis, they're cynical, not critical, because I think, I think we might be as a society missing out on the value of people being critical of us and offering us feedback in areas we need improvement in. But I'm not talking about critical, I'm talking about cynical, negative like crazy with no restoration as the end goal. If you're, on a regular basis, you're cynical, you're negative, your tone is demeaning, and you gossip, meaning you don't talk to people, you talk about people to other people, it might be an indicator that something under the hood needs looked at. It might be an indicator that you maybe just need to walk around and check some batteries because you might not be in the spot that you think that you are. And if you think, Jimmy, you know what? I, am, I think I'm good in this area. I don't know that I have to worry about this. Let me just ask for you to, to put two kind of checks and balances in place in your life. If you think that your speech and the words that you say and what you type and text and what you comment on social media, if you feel like you're in a good spot, that those don't reflect anything poorly, that, that those aren't concerns of yours, ask your spouse or your parent or your closest co-worker friend if the words that you say are positive or if they're negative. Because you can fool people you casually see. You cannot fool people who you're around all the time. We have this thing in leadership that you can always fool people who are above you on the org chart. But you can never fool the people who are below you on the org chart because they see everything that happens. And your spouse, your family, and your closest friends and coworkers, they see you whenever you don't have the mental filter on. And one of the things that someone challenged me with one time, he said, when you're examining your words and the things that you say on a regular basis, how do they line up with the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generous, and self-control are the words that you say that are connected to here. Do they line up with the fruit of the Spirit? And if not, again, maybe it's time just to take a look underneath the hood and go, what do I need to do to get it to where this thing is adjusted in a way that my mouth reflects the attitude and the person of Jesus that I want. Words matter because they're the gauge of your heart. Proverbs 18, 21 
It says this. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I mean, if you love to say evil things, you will love, you will just consume it because you love it. And if you love positive and you give life and you, you love to give life to people, that you will enjoy and you will consume those things. But it says this, that in the tongue, the things that we say are both death and life. This morning I just want for you to consider something. That as we look at words and what they mean, Proverbs gives us a pretty clear picture of, well, death and life. But if you will allow me to, to maybe just expound upon that a little bit more, here's what I want for you to maybe look at and understand. Because I think all of us, all of us, but particularly a large group of us in the room, understand what it means to find death and life in words. I mean, one of the love languages that people can have is words of affirmation. Meaning that no matter how terrible your day is going, that if someone picks you out of the crowd, notices you, verbalizes something, compliments you, speaks to your soul, your day could be going terrible. And as soon as you hear that, a word of affirmation, I feel seen and loved. Boom. Words can bring life. But I think that there are some of us in the room, maybe all of us at some point in life, have felt like and know what it means for words to bring death. I mean, I would imagine some of us in the room might still be trying to live for the approval of a parent who's no longer here because their words meant so much and we never got to hear them. I, w- I would imagine that there are marriages that exist that words that get spoken are just begging for life, but all they do is bring death. There are friendships that you don't have. There are jobs that you don't have anymore because the words that were spoken were damaging and harmful and negative, and they brought death because of it. Maybe not physical, but spiritual, mental, and emotional death. And I would just like for you to consider today that words, words are like bricks. That with both death and life, we can find two things that are similar. That words are like bricks because when we use them correctly, they are used to build up, to shore up, and to be a firm foundation if we need to stand on them. The words are like bricks because they can, they can give life. They can build up. They can create structure. They can give support. In fact, we have an entire retaining wall of these things outside right there that hold things in place together because that's what bricks do. And that's really what words do for us. However, on the flip side, some things in life are, well, are delicate and are meant to be handled with care. There are a lot of us in our lives who have many situations like this in the same way that words can create a firm foundation and can be a solid resting place to shore up. We also know that the weight of words that we have, well, they they can be crushing at times. 
Now listen. I will be very honest with you. This is a little bit more relatable to people than we ever want to imagine. This chaos that is represented when words are not used for life and they're used to crush and to weigh down people. And, and these little shards of, of this represent people, maybe you, or people that you know in your life. And while you're like, this dude has lost his mind. He is throwing bricks on stage right now. I hope that you will at least understand and appreciate that this is what words can do to people. Something so casual. I remember in sixth grade. Sixth grade. I'm like 84 years old now. Sixth grade. This is a long time ago. All right. I remember my sixth grade basketball coach walking up to me after the season. Had a good season. I was like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing junior high basketball. He said, oh, you'll never play junior high basketball. You're too overweight and you're not fast enough. Wow. Thanks, man. So I tried out for junior high basketball. Guess what? Didn't make it. In the entire car ride home, guess whose voice I heard in my head that entire time? It wasn't, wasn't anybody's in the car. It was his. And that's super small. It, super what would be insignificant. But as we talked about earlier, things that seem small and insignificant can matter a lot. The times that I've, that I've partaken in marriage counseling and helped people get through some situations to a good spot in their marriage, half the time there are things that were said years ago that got logged into a person that they could never get past. There might even be you in your spiritual condition where you're at today that you feel guilty or trapped or stuck because of things that you have done and the thing that you hear all the time is you're not good enough. You could never be forgiven. You can't forgive yourself. Why could God forgive you? Well, it's stuck in there. To the words that we use when we interact with our friends, when we talk to our family, when we comment on social media, they all matter because they can either be used to build up or they can be used to be crushing words to people. And this is why I just want to ask you, which one do you spend more time speaking? The words that build up or the words that can be crushing to people? See, our words matter because they are the foundation that we build our daily lives on, both for us and for the people that are around us, and they're the ones that we build our faith on as well. You see, this idea wasn't lost on Jesus. In fact, when you think about the historical accounts of Jesus, one of the two things that he gets talked about for being a leader for are the things that he did and the words that he said. Jesus knew the power of what words could be. In fact, he built his entire plan on using words to set things in place so that when he was gone, this whole thing would continue. 
his words mattered for Jesus. And, and if we're going to truly follow Christ and, and be Christ followers, our words have to matter to us as well. You see, words that destroy, they kind of pop in surprisingly every now and then. But what I found out is that words that build up seem to never even get an invite to the party. By default as a person, if I'm driving my car and somebody cuts me off or somebody does something I don't like, guess who just pops in unexpectedly? Words that destroy. When I'm going about my day, words that destroy just seemingly know where I'm at and just pop in surprisingly. And for some reason, if I want to use words that build and that give life to people, for some reason I have to go out of my way to think about and be intentional about using those things. And can I just pass along to you that maybe for some of you that would be the greatest ministry you could have to people around you on an everyday basis that you would actively choose to invite into your life words that give life so that you can share them with other people. It is so easy to do if we are looking for it. And maybe that's a great first step for you in determining how words matter for you in your life. The night before Jesus was, was, was crucified or was captured or arrested, he sat down with his disciples and he had a meal with them. And I'm sure that there was some casual talk and some casual conversation that happened, but here's what happened, is that Jesus, while he was there, he said, in the middle of the meal, while they're talking, he, he grabs the bread and he grabs the, the cup of juice or wine that was on the table. And because he knew that words mattered, he said to his disciples, this, this is my body, broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. For this is going to be a new covenant, a new promise that I'm giving to you. That all the old things you were doing because of me, you don't have to do this anymore. It's going to be a new thing that I'm doing. A new promise. A new verbal commitment because words mattered. There are seven things that are recorded in the last few hours of Jesus' life. And one of them, the things that he said is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Every Sunday we, we stop and we take a few moments and we take communion. And I think it's important today as we talk about our words mattering we just take a few seconds to appreciate that Jesus' words mattered a lot too in this moment. Because he's sitting around the table with people that should have been picked to be his disciples that he's going to use to launch this whole thing that we now know as Christianity. And all along he's challenged them with his words and he's looking around the table and he's saying, all of you are invited to come and be a part of this. Let's do this together. Let's take this meal together. This new promise I'm giving you. So I'm wondering this morning what it looks like for you to take these next few minutes to examine what's under the hood 
by way of looking at the words that you say. Or, or maybe there's someone in the room that you need to use your words to ask for forgiveness, to apologize to. Maybe you need to use your words to, at this moment in your life, just say, Jesus, I'm not excited about where my heart is right now, and I just want to offer it to you so I can hit the reset button on things. We do this every week. But today, would you allow me just to have you focus on what you say to God in these next few moments to get your heart right? And then we come to the table and to kneel and pray and take communion and just simply say, thank you for your broken body and your shed blood. God, we are in, in this moment, in this space, and in this place, and we know that in, in the times of our life where the words that we say just come so surprisingly, we ask that if needed, that you would be able to allow us to, to look under the hood and to take a look at our heart and how we might be able to have our heart transformed and changed and molded into a heart that looks Jesus. So God, I pray for whatever needs to happen in this room and in the lives of each one of these people, whether forgiveness or mercy or acts of thanksgiving and words of praise. But whatever it is we do, we'll be connected to our heart and our desire to want to follow after you. We pray all these things in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.